Welcome to the Extra Innings podcast uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Scott Lauber. I'm Bob Brookover. And I'm Matt Breen. Guys, uh, spring training uh, well underway now. We are into our second week. Full squad reported a few days ago. And let's lead this off today by talking about Spencer Howard. Since we heard from him earlier today, uh, and it seems like he is going to be competing for a spot in the rotation. Um, you know, I guess we can start here um, for each of you. Kind of what was your takeaway from, the, you know, 15 minutes or so that we got to spend with him today? I, I was taken, I think, by his – I thought he was pretty honest about the season he had last year and about the work that he did in the offseason to, um, to make sure that, you know, he's, he's better this year, both physically and, and mentally on the mound – I mean, what was your sort of takeaway from from the time that we had with him? For me, he had a lot of reasons things didn't go well. You know, he said he wasn't healthy. He said his routine was was messed up by the the pandemic, the the stoppage, the three months off. Um, and you know, it's funny because every spring training story is is kind of the same. Can you do what you did last year? Can you improve on what you did last year? Can you, you know, there's always, can you, it's a, can you do this? Uh, and can he be a major league pitcher is the question for him. Um, and, and really it's all about show me. And that's what the, it's kind of what the Phillies said to him with their, with their actions in the off season. They said, you know, we're not going to give you a spot in this rotation. We're going to go get Chase Anderson. We're going to go get a Matt Moore. Uh, you're going to have to compete for your spot in the rotation. We'll see what he proves now. And that, that's really all that matters is what he can prove. And he has a lot to prove in, in spring training. He's got, he has got to go win this job because I think the other two guys are probably ahead of him as the favorites to, to, to win that job. Yeah, I think the one big takeaway for me was that we, there was like an explanation for why he struggled so much last year. You know, how anticipated his debut was and finally Spencer Howard's going to be in the majors and you know, he just didn't look like that guy that you saw in the minor leagues at all last year. Now it makes sense that his shoulder was, you know, had inflammation. He had a legitimate injury. He, and, and we knew that the season was weird, but I, I think you needed more than that. And the fact that he was out of shape at the start of summer camp and, and how much the, the season affected him to hear him actually say it, you know, you can realize that, all right, he wasn't Spencer Howard last year. And I think you almost can like, you know, flush last season for him. But the big question for me is now, how do you use him? Like, I think you can count that Spencer Howard is, you know, should be on the opening day roster, is one of the 13 best pitchers on the Phillies right now. But, but how do you use him? He threw 24 and a third inning last season. And I don't think you can have him in the rotation on opening day and still be in the rotation in September. So I think they're going to have to get creative. You put him in the bullpen, but how do you keep him in the bullpen and – you, you want to use them in like high leverage spots, but you also want to keep them stretched out, but you don't want to waste them as a, you know, just a long man. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't, I'm really curious to see how this, you know, how that it works out. But I think the best thing for me to take away from Spencer Howard's conversation was that, you know, it's a guy that understands he's not in denial that, that he was not, that he didn't have a good year last year. And it seems like he kind of figured out what, what was going wrong. I, I guess I'm, old school or, or just old but not that old really when I'm about for what I'm about to say because you know you say well you can't have him in the rotation to start the season 
and also expect him to be there in September. We only have to go back to Aaron Noah to find a pitcher who, of about the same age as him who broke into the big leagues and he pitched into to September. I mean, it didn't take, Aaron Noah didn't need to be broken in and handled with kid gloves. Yeah, you know? Aaron Noah didn't have the minor league, like this, he's, he's been limited. Every the shoulder injuries. Yeah, he's been injured. He threw 24 and a third. And like, okay, Aaron but, Noah in 2015 was had a full minor league season and just kept going. But well, he had some, he had some problems along the way. But at some point, you have to you have to prove you can pitch. I mean, you can All pitchers have injuries at some point. Uh, so to you know, see how he feels before you. It, it's it's all about how you feel. I'm, I I remember this goes back to Steven Strasburg's rookie year. And, you know, the, the talk that, oh, well, he's, they're going to shut him down. And none of us believed it. And I remember going to, to Roy Halliday and asking Roy Halliday, Roy, do you, you know, if they, if they tried to do that to you, your rookie year with the chance to win the World Series, what would you do? No, it would not have happened. <laughs> they wouldn't have had the conversation. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, one thing, too, I think that we need to say here, too, is that in talking to Howard today, I think, you know, we all knew, but I think it was reinforced kind of what we missed last year by not being on the, you know, on the field and in the clubhouse, you know, just to pull back, like, so he explained kind of what happened that, you know, the spring training part one, it was last March, and then the shutdown happens. And, you know, he stayed in Clearwater, he didn't go home, like a lot of players went home, he didn't know how long it was going to last. So he stayed in Clearwater, and he worked out there. And, and then they had the outbreak at that facility there, and that facility shut down. And, you know, he made that comment about I didn't have a gym that I could go to like a full gym. And I guess he put on weight, you know, Joe Girardi talked about him putting on weight, I think he put on about 10 pounds between the end of spring training and the start of summer camp. And, he came to summer camp and his body didn't feel right. And, you know, it just, he, he just, he was carrying the extra weight and he probably didn't do enough during the, the hiatus or certainly as much as he wanted to do during the hiatus. I think everyone's experience during those three months were different. We didn't know a whole lot of that last summer at summer camp. And so then he gets he called up from the alternate site uh, on August 9th, I think it was. And, you know, I, I certainly didn't realize kind of how maybe ill-equipped he was to actually be pitching in the big leagues at that point. He, his body didn't feel great and it showed because he wasn't pitching very well. And then he ends up hurting his shoulder and he misses the last two weeks of the season. And it wasn't until he got home to California and he kind of reset and he went and did physical therapy twice a week and he got his hips right and he got his shoulder right that he kind of began feeling like himself again. You know, so I'm not going to say like he deserves a mulligan for last year because there is no such thing. And they now have pitchers like Moore and, and Anderson, Bob, like you said, who are going to, you know, compete for those those jobs. They're veteran guys. They bring experience. They probably have an inside track on Howard. But, you know, I, I do think that there's there's reason to believe that the guy we saw last year is not who Spencer Howard really is. And. You know, now, like Matt said, they have to figure out, you know, this was a guy who was trying to play catch up before the pandemic. Like he threw, you know, barely 100 innings, including the Arizona Fall League in 2019. Had he not missed those two months in 2019, he's a normal pitcher last spring, but he didn't. He had that problem. 
then the pandemic happens and they go from thinking like this guy's going to pitch, you know, how do we avoid this guy pitching too many innings to this guy's not going to pitch enough innings. It turns out, you know, even if you want to give him an extra 20 innings or so in the alternate site in summer camp, he was like a 50 inning pitcher last year, total 24 in games. You know, I do think that Bob, you're right. They coddle pitchers too much these days, but this is not just a standard, you know, taking it slow with a guy. This is a guy who's had injury issues and workload issues, and they're going to have to figure out, all right, if he can give us a hundred innings or 120 innings, and I think that's probably pushing the envelope a little bit, how do we deploy the deploy him in those innings? And as I wrote today, I think maybe the biggest thing is he's just got to pitch those innings, whether it's, you know, April starting in April and going until he can't pitch anymore. Or if you want to delay it, he's just got to get his innings in because otherwise he's going to be behind again next year at this time. And we're going to be talking about his innings limit then. So I just think this is a big year for him to build workload. Would you, no matter how it happens. Would you pitch him out of the bullpen? If he didn't, I, if he's not, you know what? Starters to start the season. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, look, I think, I think I want him. If you're saying if he doesn't make the rotation out of spring training, yes. Uh, no, I think I want him pitching as a starter uh, at the beginning of the year, but I, I also don't want to waste those bullets. And so if if Moore and Anderson end up being four and five and they start the season and they start pitching well, well, then you got to consider bringing Spencer Howard up as a multi inning reliever out of the bullpen. I'm kind of thinking if he does make the team, if he does make the rotation in spring training, how do you? get him through a season so that he's pitching like Matt said, both in April and September. And I think then you're talking about maybe a stretch in the middle of the season where he's got to go to the bullpen for a little while, or you've got to do something. You've got to split up his starts. Maybe Vince Velasquez comes in after him in those starts or something like that so that you can conserve him a little bit, because I don't think you can just turn him loose in April and expect him to be there in September you know, if, if he doesn't get hurt or if he has a full seat, you know, if he, if he can keep pitching every fifth day. In that mindset though, then it might be most, might most beneficial for him to, to start the season in AAA where you can control the amount he pitches, you know, pitch him three innings, pitch him three innings for, for the first month of the season, work him up to four or five. Uh, yeah. I know you're saying you're wasting those bullets in AAA, but you're not wasting them if by the time July, August, September comes around, he's pitching well and up to five and six innings. And that's when you need him the most. But uh, I think if he looks good this spring, you can't waste the bullets in Allentown. Like yeah, you just I, have, I, have him pitch three okay, innings but, out of the major league bullpen where it actually means something. Okay, but the one thing you got to keep in mind, and you got to keep this in mind with Vince Velasquez too, is that you're probably going to need both of them as starters at some point this year. So you've got to be careful about shortening it too much. Yeah, um, that, that's that's what I was saying. Like you're gonna, you need him if you're going to put him in the bullpen. It's got to, it, it almost has to be a role that you're able to keep him stretched too. Vince is another matter altogether. I'd rather see them try to make him a one or two inning pitcher right now, which we've been talking about for since like 1945, but, you know, know, this is the year I'd like to see them send him into the season in his mind. You're going to be a a one inning, sixth, seventh inning guy for us. Uh, I might be old school or I might just be old. What's that? Uh, I might be old or maybe I'm just old school, but I just wish 
you know, starting pitchers would just go all nine and we wouldn't have to worry about one inning pitchers. Just those were the things. days, my friend. Those were the days. It's when, I, when men when men were men. And and uh so and, and I don't know where we go from there. No, I mean, look, I think I think it's going to be it's going to be a balancing act with some back, of those guys because you're going to start the season with five starters. That's back when they had boppers. Boppers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, you, you know, you're going to start the season with five starters. Joe Girardi said we're going to have a five man rotation. So, you know, whoever those five are, there are going to be two. And if you know, I don't I, I don't know right now when. Ivan Nova has a, I'm sure he has an opt-out at some point, but you're going to have a surplus. How do you keep those guys stretched out so that, you know, two turns in or three turns in when you have some issues, because you're going to have issues with guys who just don't feel great um, in this weird year where they're trying to get back stretched out again, that they're ready to go. I I don't know how how they do that yet. I'm not sure they know. Yeah, I'm not I think it's all going to work out. I, I just, you know, you go back to to 1981, not to sound old, but I'm old, and they had a strike that year, and they were off for six six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was, and they came back and they finished out the season, and then they came back the next year and they played another season, and it just, you just do it. <laughs> you just do it. Something in the AstroTurf allowed them to do it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that wasn't real grass you know what they say you know so what Doug, uh, Doug McGraw said about it you don't want to play on anything you couldn't smoke <laughs> very and, nice yeah um anyway, anyway let's move it on let's go to let's move around the corner to second base here around the horn around the horn let's go around the horn let's go around the horn um we talked to Reese Hoskins this week. The big news is that he's medically cleared, fully cleared to do everything in spring training on track for opening day. And, you know, there was a time middle of last season, you know, the beginning of that 60 game season where you didn't know if that would even matter, you know, what kind of impact Reese Hoskins would have. He seemed like, you know, he was really struggling. He had been struggling from the second half of 19, you know, he looked, you know, it just did not look like a guy that was going to be a big contributor going forward. And then as quick as you thought that, you know, he saved himself with this great stress the last month of the season before he gets hurt. And, you know, he's, he's Reese Hoskins again. And he's a, a guy that I think you can count on to, to be a you know big piece of this lineup. He's healthy, which is important. So just, I guess, you know, how important is Reese Hoskins to this lineup and is the Reese Hoskins that we saw at the end of last season before he got hurt, the real Reese Hoskins, or is it the Reese Hoskins of you know, the first half of that season and, and going into 2019? He's really important. You know, I think he's going to be their number two hitter. You know, Joe Girardi hasn't uh, set a lineup yet, but he did tell us this week that he imagines Bryce Harper in the three hole. Hoskins, I think, spent the majority, if not all of his time last season in the two hole. You know, so you could sort of see it taking shape. Um, you know, McCutcheon, Hoskins, Harper. You know, do you bat Real Muto cleanup or do you bat Alec Bohm cleanup? Then probably D.D. Gregorius to split up the two lefties in the five hole. I guess my point is, uh, Reese Hoskins is is one of your prime hitters in your lineup. And in a lot of ways, 
he did carry their offense um, in that middle part of last year after Bryce Harper kind of cooled off a little bit, his back began to bother him. He went into that funk, that slump. It was really Reese Hoskins who was carrying their offense at that point. They had a much better record with him in the lineup than without him in the lineup. They, um, they were a much better team with him at first base than not. Uh, and so, you know, look, you're right. Last year, this time we were talking about his new batting stance you know, with his, with his hands, uh, he was experimenting. He was trying to find something that worked. He looked completely lost the last half of 2019. And we were all wondering, you know, whether Reese Hoskins was going to find it again. And he did last year, um, you know, quarter of the way through. He did and, and was really, really good. And then he got hurt. So I think he's critical. And I think that, uh, you know, they're going to be, you know, even though they say he's medically cleared and all that, I don't think they're going to go push him that hard really early. In spring, they're going to make sure that he is game ready on day one and that they can count on him. I mean, let's – Reese had, had had a bad stretch. He had a bad stretch to end, end uh, 18, and it continued into 19. He, he struggled. But we've seen a lot more good from Reese Hoskins than we have bad. Um, my ultimate question is who – like, is he a two – What's what's reset his best? He's a career. I guess he's a career two fifty something hitter. Two fifty. What two two thirty nine is his career average. He's a career two thirty nine hitter. But does that even matter? Because he's a career three sixty six on base percentage. Is that who he is? I, I think he's. I think he's more like a two fifty five hitter, and a three eighty on base percentage at his best. And and that three eighty on base percentage is just so crucial to this team because they got a bunch of guys we talked about last week a little bit who can hit home runs and having that having guys on base is what's crucial for that offense uh you know so I, I just think that Reese what we saw at the end of last season that might that might not be entirely him either and but I think there's a middle ground between the really bad Reese we've seen and the really great Reese we've seen and that's it and that's a really very good player who is just vital to any success the Phillies hope to have offensively this year. Yeah, because even as bad as his batting average got last year, his on-base percentage never dropped below 400, which is kind of incredible that, you know, as much as he was struggling, he was really still getting on base. So he, even when he, he, he had his, other than his rookie season when he was just out of this world hot when he came up, he, he 226 was his, Worst batting average two years ago, and he still had a 364 on base percentage. I mean, so, you know, and yeah, one thing that stood out was he, uh, he said that in 19, the slump that, you know, that, that was how he ended his season in the slump. 2020, he falls into another slump and he figured out how to pull himself out of it. So that's a big learning experience for, you know, a guy that's still, you know, he feels like he's been around forever, but he's still a young player to, to go through that, figure it out learning how to do it and then of course he gets hurt and you know that that kind of spoils it but I think you know he's going to be hitting at the top of the order like Scott said he's going to be getting on base consistently and if you match that 400 on base percentage with you know consistent power then that's you know a heck of a second hitter in your lineup it's always it's always I think it's always relative to the to what what does the rest of the league have at first base and I think it says a lot that MLB did it does its top 10 right now list every year in the off season. And Reese Hoskins is part of that top 10 right now. 
you know, I think that that says a lot about, you know, maybe he's even a little bit underappreciated in Philadelphia. Where does he rate in terms of first baseman in the National League East? Uh, you've got Freddie Freeman, you've got Pete Alonzo in the division, and now you've got Josh Bell in the division. Where do you put Reese Hoskins among that group? I put him ahead of Bell. Uh, Freddie okay. Freeman and Hoskins. And, well, Peter, the, 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 the problem with Peter Alonzo is he's not a very good first baseman. And, and Reese has actually made himself into a pretty good through hard work because we see that we see that hard work on the field. Uh, has made himself into a pretty good defensive first baseman. Um, a very good defensive first baseman, I'd argue, uh, where Pete Alonzo isn't. I mean, to the point where you know, I think the Mets would rather see Dominic Smith playing yeah. first than Pete Alonso being a DH. Uh, although you could argue that the Mets have a lot of DHs on their on their ball club, uh, a lot of a lot of great DHs, but still a lot of DHs. And Pete Alonso, yeah, I thought Alonso amazing in nineteen, but I just think you need to like before I say he's, you know, I'm going to rank Reese Hoskins behind him. Reese Hoskins has a more of a track record than Pete Alonso does. I think the Alonso. Hoskins comparison is a great one and I think it's going to be a fascinating one to watch this year I remember talking to Reese Hoskins in the middle of 2019 during Pete Alonso's unbelievable rookie season and the Phillies were about to play the Mets and I had a conversation with Reese about the run that Alonso was on and whether it reminded him at all of his own uh, his own incredible rookie year run and you know, I'm paraphrasing here um, because I don't remember the quote exactly, but Reese said something to the effect of like, you know, we all need to make adjustments as we go along. And, um, you know, I didn't take that as a knock at Alonzo, but rather just like, hey, as great as it is for him now, he's going to struggle. We all struggle. And sure enough, what happened to Pete Alonzo last year, he struggled. So I think, you know, Hoskins has been through it. What he proved last year, Matt, you're right, is that he could go through like the depths of a really bad half-year slump. It was a really, really second-half slump, the entire second half of 19, and come out the other side. Now, you'd like to see that the slump a little bit shorter, right? You'd like to see him come out of it a little bit faster, and maybe he will next time. But, you know, the point being that he's proven he can come out the other side and still be a productive hitter and a really good player. And, you know, I think now it's kind of like it's sort of Alonzo's turn this year with the Mets to kind of prove the same thing. Like, hey, I am more the player you saw in 19 than the guy you saw in 20. And, you know, with Reese, there's always been that kind of like, how good is he? You know, and I think we can conclude at this point that he's he's a he's certainly an above average hitter, you know, an above average on base, certainly a way above average on base guy and a really good and good slug uh, from first base. And the batting averages, whatever it is. So here we are on third, where we find ourselves with Alec Bohm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Alec. He was he was one of the early guys made available to us this week, um, and he seems like in a much more comfortable and confident place than if if you go back to when they drafted him as a as a rookie out of uh, Wichita State, third overall pick. He he didn't have much to say, but he seemed like a very confident guy talking to him the other day what do you guys think we can expect from from Alec Bohm in his second season to me Matt, you like, take... like Alec Bohm's rookie year like doesn't get talked about enough like I just feel like he's kind of like lost in the shuffle of how good he was last year and you look at the numbers and like 
I'll even admit that I didn't realize, like in, in the moment, you know, you, you get caught up in, yeah, he had some big moments and stuff, but you, in the moment of the season, you kind of get caught up in stuff. You, and there's so much other stuff going on, the bullpen being so bad. And a lot of your focus is on Bryce Harper. And we talked about Reese Hoskins. You're, you're paying attention to him. And you forget, like, not only was he in the rookie of the year conversation, it's insane that he didn't win the rookie of the year, but it's just, it's, really incredible how good he was. And I know it's a small sample size because it was only a 60 game season, but he was never lost. He had multi-hit games in almost half of his starts. He went his longest without a hit was two games. And he did that only like once or twice or three times. So he was almost always getting, getting hits. He didn't hit a lot of home runs. Maybe that's why, you know, everybody loves home runs. He didn't hit, hit a ton of those. So maybe that hurt his attention, but I just feel like it's like, almost forgotten about here in Clearwater. And if this team's going to be in the playoffs, it's going to be because Alec Bone played a really big role this year. He didn't win the rookie of the year only because Devin Williams had like historic strikeout numbers. And, and I mean, you know, he literally struck out half the guys he faced. So as somebody who had closer. a he, he no, he wasn't. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was difficult to, Oh, you voted, so I, I'm, I, I respect No, I, I, I look, I, I kind of went back and forth on it because I didn't see Devin Williams live last year. Um, you know, I saw Alec Bohm in every game he played. And, you know, it was hard to look past, you know, the 400 on base percentage, the numbers with runners in scoring position, uh, the uh, average with two strikes, the fact that when uh, Hoskins got hurt, and Harper was in a bad way with his back. They needed Alec Bohm to bat in the top half of the lineup, and he did, and he delivered, and he kept them, you know, in the race until the final day of the season, really. I mean, it was he was the one guy you did not want to face in their lineup. So, yeah, he had a tremendous rookie year, and the fact that he didn't win rookie of the year I don't think should take away from that. I think that, um, you know, I think now the question becomes – you know, what to expect from him in year two. And, you know, a question I asked him the other day, and I really hadn't thought of it until this week was, you know, one of the interesting things about a 60 game season was they played the same group of teams over and over and over again. And so his second time through the league was quick. You know, he faced, you know, the Braves one weekend and was facing them again the next weekend and was doing the same with all the other teams they played. You know, he's still going to be relatively new to, you know, two thirds of the league. And he proved that he could adjust against the teams, the few teams they did play, he could adjust pretty quickly. So I think you could expect a really good second year. I mean, he's going to go through struggles too. Like we were just talking about with Pete Alonzo and, and Reese Hoskins and Bohm is going to struggle too, but he's already proven that he can make adjustments quickly and that he's kind of unflappable at the plate. And, uh, and those were, those were great things to see last year. So what have um, you wrote about his defense? Is he third baseman going forward? Uh, I think I think he is. I, I he he made two errors in that game against Atlanta. And it really, it, it was a stinker of a game coming off a stinker of a doubleheader. I think in in, in Buffalo, um, but it, you know he did not make another error the rest of the season, and that was like August twenty first. So we're not talking like a small stretch of games, although the whole season was a small stretch of games, but from August 21st, to the end of the season is not a, a, a small stretch 
in terms of not making an error. And he did not make another error the rest of the season. He was really good at first base too when he had to go over there and play. He didn't make any errors at first base. Um, you know, I thought he really performed above what I kept hearing about Alec Bohm as a third baseman. I, I was really pleasantly surprised. And I, I do think he's going to get better just from, you know, I had a conversation with Larry Bow about him over weekend and, you know, he's, you know, Boa had a lot of questions about himself c coming out of Wichita State. He didn't know if he could be a third baseman. And, you know, he now very much thinks he can be a third. He said he's still got stuff to work on, but he very much thinks he can be a third baseman going forward for, you know, for, and Joe Girardi has said the same thing. But what I've learned most today is that Scott, Scott Lauber cost Alec Bohm the Rookie of the Year award. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that were true. No, he, 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 he didn't he tie with Cronenworth. They were they were tied for a second. Mm -hmm. You know what was you know Bob the uh, the two errors in that inning in Atlanta, that was not the worst thing that happened in that inning. If uh, my memory is right, you're, you're going to make me remember the 2020 season. You're the, that the, the ESPN game, person. right? What's that? The, was that the ESPN game? Uh no, I think that was the Sunday night game. No, the 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 game that he made that it was a Friday night first okay. game of the series, and if memory serves, during that inning. They traded for Brandon Workman and Heath Embry. <laughs> Those were the biggest errors of that game. Those were the biggest errors in that inning. And, and, oh. and they could and they could continue to come back and bite them in the future. Because Connor Seabolt That's could be great. a good pitcher. So yeah, if my memory serves, that was not the so maybe that was the low point. Was that the worst inning of the season? Probably so. Yeah, I, yeah I for know. what it meant. I've got probably. no recollection of the 2020 season. It was kind of the beginning of the end. And anybody that makes me remember it is not a nice person. <laughs> no, well, I also didn't vote for Alec Bohm for Rookie of the Year, so that's a double whammy on me. So I, I was right. Hugh Clustin. Bad, bad person. Bad guy. <laughs> He'll be all right. He'll be okay. <laughs> he will be okay. Um, let's uh, let's clear the bases, Scott. Clear him up. Let's clear him up. So Sunday is the first Grapefruit League game. Phillies will be going over to Lakeland. I always love that drive on I-4 because you got to go right through Tampa. And the game ends at like 3.30 and you write and you're walking out of Lakeland at 5.30 and you know you're just going to get jammed up in Tampa traffic on the way back. And there's no way to avoid it. It's just I staring you in the face. It. Not on a Sunday, though. You're okay on a Sunday. I like the I stuff. I don't know. I've gotten stuck. Dinosaur land and you pass that like abandoned like arc of a boat that maybe was a restaurant at one point. It just, to me, I just love it because it's like so Florida, like roadside attractions on your way there. I know, right? That's, just, that's how I, there, I'm going to show that I'm old again. There, there used to be going that way. You used to go going down I-4. You used to have to go to I-4 to get to Detroit and Lakeland, um, Plant City, the Reds, um royals used to be out there too right royals at boardwalk and baseball in baseball city they call it then it's actually called haynes city but hey that was a good idea let's let's put a boardwalk <laughs> in a music park at a baseball park because people want to come even though disney is 10 minutes away uh brilliant brilliant and, and it worked out well uh and then you had to you you also had uh winter haven the red sox and then later the indians right um where home of charlie manual outdoor press box and, and then you had the Braves. And at one time, you had the Twins in Orlando. And now the only team left on I-4 is the, the Tigers. There's that's, a a lot of, that's a lot of 
p.m. traffic jams going through Tampa. But but I took us on a detour there. Get us back going on course. Scott. Yeah. So so anyway, the point being that Sunday is the first Grapefruit League game, the Phillies and the Tigers, and let's talk about someone to watch for the next week. Um, I think we're going to be talking about a lot of the same things over the next month, center field, bullpen, back of the starting rotation. But give us, Bob, I guess we'll start with you. Give us someone to watch over the next week. Well, he's, he's, he's pitching the opener is Ivan Nova. Uh, Nova, and he's a long shot to make this team. Um, you know, it's been a while since he's been good, but hey, you know what? This is, he's got a, he's got a look on the first game of the Grapefruit, the Grapefruit League lid lifter, we could call it. Um, he knows the manager. What's that? He knows the manager. He, he knows the manager. So this is his first sure look. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see how he does. I'm going to go with the bullpen. Uh, I feel like we can talk about center field too, but I just, just looking at the bullpen today after Joe Girardi said there's two guys that are locked in the roles with being Hector Harris and Archie Bradley. That's all six vacancies, and there's way more than six guys for that spot. I just think it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to take almost the entire camp. Where I think center field, you might know in a couple of weeks who's going to be the center fielder. I, I don't think you're going to be able to draw up the bullpen until towards the end of camp just because there's so many, there's so much competition. And then there's comes down to, you know, Brandon Kinsler on the minor league deal has to get put on the 40 man roster. Um, Sam Coonrod's on the 40 man, but has an option. Like there's going to be so many different layers to how they can build this bullpen because they're going to start with eight. But just like the starting rotation, they're not going to need they're going to need more than five starting pitchers. They're going to need way more than eight guys out in the bullpen all year. So for me, I, I just think that's going to be all spring will be the most interesting storyline for me to watch how they build a bullpen after how bad the bullpen was last year. And it starts, you know, you'll probably see a lot of these guys in the first weekend getting their first action. Well, that's why I'm going to steer clear of the bullpen because I think we're going to be talking about it right to the end. I'm also going to steer clear of the rotation because I think if I remember last year, Joe Girardi was saying a lot the first week or two, you know, I'm not going to put too much into every guy's first start. I'm going to jump right into center field. And I think Scott Kingery is going to be my guy to watch right off the top. Um, We talked a little bit about it on last week's podcast. I think he's somebody who's capable of having a huge camp. We've seen him. That's how he got on the team in 2018. He had a huge spring training. Uh, I want to see whether these um, physical changes that he's made, taking off the weight that he gained uh, a year or so ago, um, is going to pay dividends, whether he'll be quicker, whether he'll be a little bit more agile and nimble and more Scott Kingery-like. I want to see what his swing looks like. Is he taking that big, long uppercut swing, or is it more of a compact, explosive swing? I think he has the ability to win the center field job outright if he plays well and he plays to his potential and I think he's going to get the opportunity to do that right off the top so I'm curious to see now like I said what he looks like now out on the field and whether he can sort of take this center field job by the throat and win it um, right away or relatively quickly I like you think he's starting in center field on Sunday oh I have no idea <laughs> I, mean, I, like one of them, I like Scott's pick better. I'm going with Scott's pick instead. What, what, one of them, whether it's, whether it's Quint, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how he does this. Like, does, does each of them, does like, do they start every third day, kind of like a rotation, right? Is it Quinn yeah. and yeah, then Hazley and then Kingery and then well, Quinn? You, you know, because, one game. 
you you can, um, but you've also going to take you want to take a look probably at Mickey Moniak a little bit, see what you have there. Whether he's you know you're probably going to want to get Odubel Herrera some at bats at some point in some of these games. Um, you know, Jan, Jankowski. Jankowski is a veteran guy. Spring, Joe Joe he's the regulars in. So there's, I mean, and and you can take a look. You can play one. You can play one in left field and one in center field. And you know, you're not just looking at him as a center fielder. You're looking at him. No. As, you know. Yeah, you're right. And 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 you know, the other thing too to keep in mind is you've got you know in these games when you get in the game very often depends on, you know, it's like the quality of pitching that you're facing. Like I remember several years ago when Jackie Bradley Jr. had a huge camp and made the Red Sox, someone made the point that like he's coming in in the fifth inning of every game. So he's facing like whoever comes in, you know, if the closer comes in in the fourth, then you're bringing you're starting to run the AAA guys out there and the quality of pitching is down. So if you really want to have an equal competition, you want these guys to be facing major league pitchers as much as they possibly can in camp, which means starting them in as many games as possible. So, no, you're right. I think you could see one of those guys play left field because McCutcheon's not going to go out there all that all that often early on, I'm sure, and they want to take Bryce Harper slow. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just, you know, I want to jump right into center field and see whether any of these guys can rise up and win the job or whether it's going to kind of be give it to the, you know, got, the one who's the least worst out of the three. We'll sort of see how it goes. I think we brought it on home. I think we did. I think we cleared the bases. So uh, for uh, so uh, here's the thing. So we'll have a whole lot of Phillies coverage uh, over the next week in the Philadelphia Inquirer and Inquirer.com on this podcast, in our newsletter, and everywhere else on all our other platforms that you can find us. Uh, so uh, thank you for joining us. And for Bob Brookover and Matt Breen, I'm Scott Lauber. Until next week, see you then.